0: Mark chapter 3, let's come down to verse 7. We'll start in verse 7 and read over to verse 12. Mark 3, verse 7 through 12. Grass with us and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's begin, verse 7. <clears throat> Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan, from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us today, help your people. Father, I pray that today would be a day of soul healing. Pray that the the joy of our salvation would return. Pray that you would make us strong as we, Think on all the good that you do for us. We ask you to help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> if you're not careful, it's easy to get jaded. If you're not careful in this world, it's easy to get jaded in this fallen world. Not too many years ago, we had a president that ran on the slogan to make America great again. We have not seen America become great again. Inflation is crippling. Taxes are high. Trains all of a sudden are derailing. Schools and churches, people are going in and shooting children. Children. Pornography is rampant. Masculinity is toxic. And intelligent people can't even tell me what a woman is. Speaking of women, women's sports. Women's, if you're a woman athlete, it should enrage you. Women's sports are threatened by cartoonish counterfeits go to the grocery store, but can't even afford a gallon of milk. There's enough bad news. There's enough bad news to make reasonable people depressed. What we can't do is get jaded. Because if you are a Christian, it's a big if, but if you are a Christian, that means that you have been purchased by the blood of Jesus, your sins are absolutely taken away and forgiven, and you are loved by a very real and a very good God. Listen, I know this life's a struggle. Yes, it is a struggle. I do not deny that life is a struggle, but that's not all it is. More to life than just a struggle. Our triune God, when I say triune, I believe God is the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Our triune God is working in you and around you and through you to glorify His name in your life. He is ready. God is ready to heal and powerful to save. And in this passage, the man named Mark, who wrote the book of Mark, Mark has paused for a moment. Mark gives us a very quick story. It's the shortest gospel. He moves at a rapid pace. But here in chapter 3, verse 7 through about 19, he's paused. And he wants us to reflect on the powerful name of Jesus and how good it is to actually be considered a follower of Jesus, to belong to him. Now, if you've been here for some time, we've been going through Mark. This is my 15th sermon in the Gospel of Mark, and each passage presents challenges with it. We we followed the mounting hatred that the world has for Jesus and his followers. We've even talked about the plots to destroy Jesus and discredit his people. Last week, we talked about some of the social costs that come with being a Christian. Some of the social costs that come. Some of you have had this happen. The social costs that come with being a Christian in a world that hates the God of the Bible. And it's it's as if Mark knew we needed to hear this that we needed some good news. That we needed to reflect on the immense and overwhelming benefits of actually belonging to Jesus. So my, my aim is simple today. I have a simple aim. Today I just want to follow the impulse of the passage and use this text to restore in your heart the joy of salvation. To remind you that God the Father has planned your salvation. God the Son has accomplished your salvation. God the Holy Spirit is the one who keeps you saved. And if, if our triune God is for us, then who can be against it? I want you to drink it now, I want you to read this passage and drink deep of God's word. And I want you to remember that God, God is good and Jesus wins and we are safe. God is good, Jesus wins, we are safe. How do we remember that? Let's go to the text and think about it together. Here's the first one, number one, we need to celebrate victories. We need to celebrate we celebrate victories. So, so, so pull out a little bit. You pull out from, scope out a little, a little bit and look at verses 7 through 12 as a, a unit itself. We, we read the passage. Now, here's what Mark is doing. From time to time in his storyline, he pauses to let everybody catch their breath and give a little bit of a summary of what's going on in the life and ministry of Jesus. And this is one of those. In fact, this is the longest Of those. And here he's giving us a picture of just how overwhelmingly good things are actually going. I mean, we've been talking about the Pharisees and the Herodians, but truthfully, things are actually going where? Going well. The crowd around Jesus is growing. His popularity has gone all over the region. Verses 7 and 8. People are coming to be healed. He's preaching the gospel. Get down to verses 11 and 12. Demons are running away from him. There's some really good things going on. And Mark wants to make sure we don't miss it. I think it's important that we learn a little lesson just from the general structure of verses 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. Look, we live in a fallen world. I do not deny that. We live in a world with an ever-increasing morality vacuum. It seems like morals is... So that's the world we live in. But let's not, let's not forget the outlandish victories that we have in Jesus. Let's not forget them personally. You need to think about them personally, you personally. Let's start with your life personally. Where would you be and what would you be like if Jesus didn't save you and God didn't love you? What would your life be like? Let me tell you just a little picture of it. You were born in sin. You came into this world with an inclination to do what is wrong. It affected everything about us. It, it affects every part of who we are, all the decisions we make, even the good ones. And without Christ, if you have a sinful nature, you run from God, dead to the things of the Lord. You, you were destined, you were destined to live a fruitless life Die in your sin and go to hell. That's what you were going to do. But God, in His grace, He had mercy on you. And somewhere along the way, you heard the gospel. It's Paul's gospel. God is a holy creator who created you in His image. The image of God in you is marred by sin. That sin puts you under condemnation. It must be judged. That condemnation means that you deserve, we all deserve to go to hell, but God is not just a judge. God is the God of love. You read in the Bible, and he gives us Jesus. Jesus comes as the perfect man, the God-man, who lived in a way you didn't live and haven't lived. He did so fulfilling the law, and he goes to the cross. What does he do at the cross? At the cross, God exacts all the punishment we deserve on Jesus. Kills him. God killed his son in your place. God then raises him from the dead. He ascends into heaven. You heard that one day. You turned from your sin. God sparked in your heart. And you believed that. And you went from being a slave to sin to being a cleaned up child of God. Look, some of you—if God had not saved you—some of you wouldn't have lived this long. You'd already be dead. You'd be in jail somewhere. Some of you, alcohol would have taken over, and you'd have been—you just died an alcoholic, or strung out on drugs somewhere. Some of you would have been so engrossed in a homosexual lifestyle, yet God really got you, or in adultery. Or maybe maybe your sins were not so, you know, headline. Most of us are not caught up there, but there were still sins. You were a hypocrite. You were a racist. Or maybe you were really nice. Maybe you were really nice, but people didn't really see much difference. You were already nice. You were just indifferent. A lot of nice, really nice people will be young and nice, get old and nice, die nice and go to hell and and, and God saves you it's good for you to remember that and to to celebrate what God has done the victory God has over your soul that you today can, can say Jesus is Lord and you do so joyfully it's good for us to reflect back on that or God's Think of God's provision in your life. Think of God's provision in your life. The friends that you have, the people that love you, the family that's around you. If you woke up in a home today, thank God of the job that you've been given or the the people that you love and and people that, that love you back. Think about the church that God has given you. The church that we go to. Not just the building, but the people. Look, I know I'm not, I know I'm not the best preacher in the world, but I'm going to stand up and read the Bible and talk about it. Now, look, I've, I've actually heard a lot of the preaching. I'm pretty close to that, okay? <laughs> I, but I've heard some bad preaching. You, know, you people hear me? Bad preaching. But you, think about the church you're going to, where you open the Bible, talk about what is the Bible so you can learn the gospel that you're sitting in pews or been in your community groups of brothers and sisters that are different than you but actually love you and want to take care of you. Children are learning. You don't know it, but in our choir, a couple of young ladies that are not even in middle school can quote books of the Bible. College kids are going on mission adults single and married living their lives for Jesus look we live in a world of really bad news I just want to remind you today that God is good Jesus wins you are safe we need to celebrate some of those victories All right, not too much clapping I got a lot to say today if I start hearing that clapping I'll be preaching for the clapping okay no moan, dark heart. So let's go to the second point. Number two. <clears throat> number two. What do we need? We need to take a breather. We need to take a breather from the bad news. To get where I'm coming from, we got to back up in verse six and take a running start from verse six, run all the way into halfway into verse seven, just so you feel what's going on here. So back up to verse six. Remember the context. Verse six. <clears throat> The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Jesus then withdrew with his disciples to the sea. Verse 6 seems to indicate that the Pharisees and the Herodians were genuinely out to get Jesus and his followers. The, the people loved him, but the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and the Herodians, the political leaders, they didn't like him. In fact, they probably put a contract out on him. So verse 7 says that Jesus and his disciples, now we don't have the full 12 yet, that's coming in the next couple of weeks, probably four or five of them. Jesus and his disciples withdrew. Got away from that toxic soul-eating environment. Went to the sea where the breeze is blowing, you can see the ocean, relaxing. They They needed to take a break from that bad news, from the hatred surrounding them. And I would suggest that many of you need to do the same whether it's Fox News, or CNN, or Twitter, or The View. I mean, how do you watch The View? <laughs> or, or TikTok, whatever your face is in front of. You don't care for it. If you get immersed in any, whatever, the, whatever your poison is, if you get immersed in any one of those for too long, what happens is your perspective starts to get warped. Your soul gets tired. Try cutting it off a little bit. Walk out of here today, go by the bookstore. We recommend a book every month. You don't have to get a big theological tone. Just find something that's going to be good for your soul to sit down and read. Go on a walk. Man, put the, put the video game down. Look, young man, you're not going to get a girlfriend playing that video game. <laughs> not just to be good for your soul, it's going to be good for your future. Get out and breathe. Be some of that air and get some of the poison out of your system. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, you get jaded and cynical. Hard or, or worse, you forget. You forget Jesus is king. You forget God is sovereign and He's good. It's good for you to go to the cross and meditate on the cross a little bit. It's why we have the Good Friday service so we can pause and have a whole time just to think. Think about what it took for God to save you. Think about the cross of Jesus. Think about Him as a substitute, Jesus in your place. Think of the cost from God the Father, the worth that is then put into you. The amazing thing is we don't come with worth. He gives us the worth. That's grace. Uh, think about the Lord's Prayer. Go to Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and get the Lord's Prayer in your heart and phrase by phrase, think about our Father in heaven. Think about the fact that you've got a Father in heaven, a, a good and gracious, loving holy father whose name is holy you can pray god's will that's perfectly done in heaven would be done in your life here or go to psalm 23 we sang it today go and learn the 23rd psalm it's not just for funerals it's for day day day-to-day living And, and go ask the lord to be your shepherd and rejoice in the fact that the lord is your shepherd personally your shepherd you shall not want he He leads you beside the still waters. He restores your soul. Claim those things for yourself and remember that you are are His. Because of that, you have dignity. That you are actually loved. That you've been forgiven. That you are being sustained. That by God's grace you are useful to the kingdom, that you have one life to live for Him. Look, I hate to say this in front of Connie. If you got vacation time, take it. Life is too hectic for you, quit some things. You know, your kids don't have to do everything, they don't have to be everywhere. Wouldn't hurt them to be bored for a little bit. Get out in the yard and play. You don't have to do everything. Jesus and his disciples, verse 7, tells us Jesus and his disciples withdrew to the sea. Now, it didn't last long. People did find them. But I wonder today if you could write down a couple of things. I wonder today if you could write down a couple of ways that you can take a breather from the bad news and remember that God is good Jesus wins, you are safe. As we let that roll around, let's go into the text itself. Let me give you something else to consider. Number three, I want you to rejoice in what God is doing. Rejoice in what God is doing. We certainly look back at what Christ has done for us on the cross and we bring that forward. The gospel is real today. But what is God doing? Well, read the description in verse 7 and 8. And there are two phrases that serve as brackets, like bookends. A great crowd in verse 7, a great crowd in verse 8. I want to talk about what's in between those two bookends. Let me read it. You notice the diversity there. Verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd, here comes the diversity, Followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan, from around Tyre and Sidon. And when the great crowd heard. Let me pause there. Let's talk about what is in between those two phrases. Think about where they came from. Galilee. Galilee was in the north. Some Jews, a few Gentiles coming out of Galilee. Judea was intensely Jewish. Idumea, had forgotten Judaism, a lot of Gentiles there. You go across the Jordan, and what is east of Jordan, the Transjordan, you have the Decapolis, Greeks there. Tyre and Sidon are cities that were in the southwest, I mean, in the northwest, mostly Gentiles. So you have people from the north and the south and the east and the west from all kinds of backgrounds coming together from all walks of life, heard Jesus, they heard what he was doing, they were, verse 8 says, they were coming to him. Look, at what you have right there, that's the power now, that's the attracting power of the gospel. I saw it yesterday. <clears throat> yesterday with a little, uh, little car wash kerfuffle we had, I got to see, the Lord just gave me a moment of clarity standing in our parking lot, I the watch there are 20 or so people that are working on that car wash for missions. Church members. Standing on one side, there was a single woman talking to all the kids. On the other side, I happen to watch, there's a black family, their children and a white family working together. Kids from the age of five all the way up to students. One young man, he's a senior in high school, shows up with his girlfriend. Trying to impress her a what? but he came to the church car wash. All of them working together to raise money to go on a mission trip to share Jesus. God does that. God breaks down the walls that divide us. What the Bible says, creating in the church one new person. Our Christian school here is built on the authority of the gospel. Gospel of Jesus, we have a strict adherence to biblical principles. Right now, our school right now is almost exactly 50% white, 50% non-white. God does that. Hearts and hammers every week go out. Men from our church that are retired and they're coming back, working, and what they go and do is build ramps for people that can't afford to have a wheelchair ramp so they can get in and out of their house. They do it for the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and for nothing else. People gather together for clothes closet. People from the community that don't have clothes come here and we give them to them. Food pantry. Food pantry we got interns that are going to join us this summer coming to work in our, in our ministry here, eight or nine of them. They come, and what we're doing is for them to find out what it's like to be in the ministry. We've got young couples joining our church, coming pre-packaged. They already love the Bible, vibrant walking with the Lord. This morning we, we were led in celebratory, doctrinally clear, vibrant worship by talented people. Thursday I went down to the senior adult luncheon and uh, Alex McKay, our college pastor, and his wife, Melissa McKay, of course you see her on the stage every Sunday, down there leading the senior adults. Was like, that is weird. <laughs> it's working. It's God that does that. Friday morning I came up here because we had a funeral here and um, the funeral itself all around, Roger preached it, but the, those that make it happen are all volunteers from our church that are standing at doors, opening up, putting up the register, making sure people have what they need. Guys on our, our maintenance team lead mission trips. Now look, it is good now and then it's good now and then to rejoice in what God is doing. Now I would just pause and ask, what is God doing in you? For some of you right now it's a time of pruning. That God is pruning. It seems like he's taking those things away that, that were wasteful or going or gonna to hamper growth down the road. Or pruning. Or maybe you're Maybe you're on the other side of pruning. It's actually God is disciplining you. You are experiencing some of the consequences of sin. It's not punishment. The punishment goes on Christ. It's discipline. You're being disciplined. Or, or maybe, maybe you are somehow a victim of something, and you, God in his good grace, the gospel is being applied to your soul, and you're, he's healing you. It could be a, a point where you, right now in your life, there, you have this, it's a, it's a time when you are growing. You're understanding the Bible. God is refining you. Maybe God is teaching you things. You're really getting a clearer understanding on some of the doctrines of the faith, or what it means to be faithful or to live out your Christianity. Maybe you wandered off for a little while and you're not even sure if you were saved. And what God is doing in your life now is that he's renewing, renewing the fact that you're a child of God. Or Maybe you're living in a time where God is tangibly, you can see it. He's he's giving you blessing after blessing here on earth. Or maybe your life has got to the point where God is doing something to slow you down. Maybe he's preparing you. Whatever it is he's doing, it's good for us to rejoice in what God is doing. I'm going to give you another one or two things. I'll give you the fourth one. We need to rely, we need to rely on his power. Rely on his power. What a, what a scene it is in verses 9 and 10, this tumultuous throng of people pressing in on Jesus. Verse 9, he gives some really good advice. He says, look, you guys get me a boat just in case it gets bad and they start to squash me, I can get in the boat. Yeah, the intensity is picking up. People want to get close to him. Used to be at Peter's house, they would line up one by one and he would deal with a person and heal them. Now, now look at verse 10. He had healed many so that all who had diseases, they were pressing in around him and they just want to touch him. What's was going to happen in chapter 5. The poor woman, 12 years, suffered at the hands of doctors, bled for 12 years, and she just wanted to touch Jesus. And when she did, she was healed. In chapter 6, when they laid out all of those that, that needed help and, and came from all the cities and the villages, they laid them out and they just were saying, we just want to touch the fringe of his garment. And everybody that touched it was healed. Here's a reminder if you can just get people to Jesus, he, he He has the power, not you, not us, him. You see, he's ready to heal and he's powerful to save. It's, it's, it's important for us to remember who he is, that he is the perfect, crucified, resurrected Jesus, the ascended Lord Jesus and you keep pressing that person that you love and you're worried about, you keep pressing them to Jesus. The power is in Jesus. One other thing I'll give you and we'll be done. I want you to trust his authority. Trust his authority. You see in verses 11 and 12, I love the way this passage ends. It reminds me to trust Him, to trust the Son of God, that God the Son has the authority. Let me read it. Let's talk about it. Verse 11 and 12. And whenever the unclean spirits saw Him, whenever those devils saw Him, they fell down before Him and they cried out, You are the Son of God. And He strictly ordered them not to make Him known. Let's just go through it real quickly. Look at their submission in verse 11. Their submission. They saw Jesus. Mark tells us they fell down on their faces, they're prostrate before him. In his presence, devils fall. Now, listen don't think that, that the war between good and evil is an equal war. Don't have in your mind that you have the power on one side that is good and that's God, the power on one side that is evil and that's Satan and they are fighting a battle and we don't know how it's going to turn out. That is not the way it is described in the Bible. Martin Luther said that Satan is like a dog on a chain and God holds the other end of that rope. The devil's come, and when they see Jesus they fall on their faces. Not only that, notice what they, notice the doctrinally correct things they say. Be careful if your doctrine is correct, but your heart is not right. James says even the, even the devils believe and shudder. Here in verse 11, they say, You are the Son of God, which is amazing to me. This passage, this book starts off Mark chapter 1, Jesus being baptized, and from heaven you hear the voice, The Son of God. Now the devils show up, and from hell you hear the voice, the Son of God. It's remarkable to me that from heaven to hell and all points in between, he has authority. The Lord Jesus. I want you to notice his authority. Verse 12 says that Jesus is not having that. Notice what the text says in verse 12. He strictly ordered, that word is, he rebuked them. It's the same word used when Jesus is on the sea and the winds and the waves and the storm and he says, be still, rebuke them. What he says in his rebuke, what does he say in his rebuke? Don't make my name known. Get my name out of your mouth. I don't want people hearing that I and the Son of God from demons like you. You might have doctrine that's right, but your motive is wrong. It's good for us to know, it's more than just knowing the facts about Jesus. It's good for us to see that Jesus has the authority. It's good for us to read about the the power of God the Son and the authority and the Lordship of Jesus especially as we live in this painful, broken world where so much is wrong and where so much is wrong, I want you to trust his authority. I want you to see that God is good. Jesus wins. You were safe. Safe. Are you safe? You can be. God in his goodness has brought you here on this day for you to hear the gospel explained so that your soul might be ignited to believe the gospel so that God can take you out of the depths of the sin you're in and you can become a child of God by his grace and mercy, by his authority. I want you to trust that, and be made safe. This morning as we close, we're gonna do so in a word of prayer, and we'll sing another song of worship, a prayer of commitment. And as I pray, I want you to pray with me, and if God has spoken to your heart, you wanna find out what it means to be a child of God. When we sing, you can come and pray. You can come right here. Kneel down and pray, or talk to a pastor, Maybe you have somebody that you've just really been burdened for today. You want to come and pray for that person. Maybe God has brought you back to see the joy of being a Christian. You want to come and pray. And if that's not something you're comfortable with, we'll be out in the lobby when the church, when church is over. Pastors will be out there. Let's talk about, let's have a conversation, how you can be made right through faith in Jesus Christ. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would move in such a way that our hearts would be made joyful. We thank you for the grace that we have in Christ. We thank you for the victories that you've given us over days and weeks and months. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for your constant provision. We thank you for our church. We thank you for all you're doing here. God, we pray that, that you would move in the hearts of men and women here today, that there are... Eyes might be opened to see how good you are. Lord, as we lift our prayer to you, we pray that you'd move in this church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand please as so we sing together?